Hello, and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Kevin Folger, this is Labors in the Harvest podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, I'm very thrilled to continue my conversation that we began last week uh, in our Labors in the Harvest podcast with the Milettis, Brother James and Miss Rebecca, and uh, we were uh, talking to them last week, and if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to that podcast, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that one before you pick up on this one. Uh, but we were having a conversation about God's work in their life, bringing them to a point of uh, where they are now planning a church in the greater Cleveland area and the suburbs here. But uh, we were talking to them about uh, God's work in their life. And Rebecca was sharing with us um, in our last podcast about uh, where she was um, involved in spiritism, working in a kind of a, I guess, an eclectic type of bookstore spiritually that was everything but Christian. And, uh, and again, uh, was sharing that with us. So Rebecca, let's pick up our conversation there. So what happened in that bookstore that kind of got your attention? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say before, <laughs> this is when you say an eclectic bookstore. It wasn't a cult bookstore. Yeah, well, you eclect- it a, yeah, it's spiritually. Right. <laughs> yeah, you you, you can call it a witch store. Yeah. And a, not, not like sandwich, yeah. but witch <laughs> with a broom and a, and a pot and a cauldron. Well, yeah, yeah. And well who, anything that's not God is really of the devil, yeah. right? So, yeah. And the woman who ran it did run a coven, a witch coven really? out of this. I really? Mean, that's how, yeah, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. how deeply involved in the occult that I was at that time, not really knowing Yeah, yeah. Um, so you had asked me, yeah, yeah, about how the you know what, how God was working yeah, at that time. Yeah. Well, wh- even when I was involved in in the Reiki, which is like a like a healing mm-hmm. a technique, a, in like Oriental healing technique that you go through um, training to become. Even when I was working in that, people were praying for me. Mm. Um, the Lord had never let me go, mm-hmm. even even though I was away from any thought of you know, the Catholic idea of God or anything. So as I was going through these, I would have these um, experiences where the past of my knowledge of Jesus and things like that would come up. So people would pray for me. Um, people in this church, Cleveland Baptist Church, were praying for me. Mm. Friends that we that we knew um, in the bar that we owned. Mm. There were people I knew of that were specifically praying for me specifically. And... Um, so as I was going through this, even in my seeking, I was never cold to those things. Mm-hmm. I was always welcoming them and warm to them. And I remember very specifically um, a moment that I had. I was doing a Reiki session with a guy who was a Satanist, and I knew he was a Satanist. And I, what Reiki is, is you have your hands like laying above the person. It's like energy healing, yeah, supposedly. Like, it's all hogwash. Okay, okay. Right, it is. Yeah. It's, there's nothing there other than the Just demonic, demonic yeah. Right, yeah. Other than the demonic mm-hmm. activity. But as I had my hands over this person, he began convulsing very significantly. Mm. 
And I remember thinking in my, this is almost, I almost think it's like a turning point for me because I, up to this moment, I thought I was in control. I had everything under control. This is great. I'm working with these spiritual forces. I know what I'm doing. And when I saw this, it was, it was like he, he was involuntarily moving and it, it really struck me that there was nothing I could do to control that. And that was outside of myself and outside of anything that I had control over. And for me, that really shook me. Mm. And that was, I think, part of what the Lord was doing in my life to lead me to see that the forces that I was involved with were spiritual forces that were beyond control, beyond right. something right. That, that I could control. Ultimately, what, what happened and how I came to know that Jesus is who he says he is in the Bible is a very simple situation. Now, in Catholic, in the Catholic Church, I had learned that he died for my sins. I had learned that he... Um, suffered on the cross, that he rose from the dead. And I had a head knowledge of all of those things because they do teach them in the Catholic Church. But I had never made it where I believed them for myself. And when I was having a meeting one day, there was a man in there who cursed the name of Christ. And to me, that was very um, uncomfortable because I believed what everyone in that New Age believes is that everything is valid. All the religions are valid at that time. And so when he cursed the name of Christ, it like struck a chord to me. And it was almost like a bell went off. And I was thinking in my head, well, if that's true, then all of these other things have to be false. Mm -hmm. And that, and I believe that that is the moment that I came to know that Christ is who he says he is and that the Bible is true. There's no way to explain it other than just God. Yeah, right. and I mean, the Holy yeah, had yeah, been sure, sure. You know, had been so uh, again, the Bible says God has to draw us, and He does that because people pray for us, and right. and because of things that are happening, and then God uh, turns on a light, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's it, it was it was a matter of me recognizing the truth of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a, it, it, instantaneous. It was I I always say like I met Jesus, but He was already there. Yeah. I just came to understand and believe what the truth was. You know, to, to so so it. so how did that work then from that? point on to the point where you and James both got saved. So I'm going to let you tell your story of salvation. Did sure. you guys got saved at different times? Well, or? I believe that that was the moment the more you guys I got self? saved. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I believe that. Because after that moment, I began, when I would go into the um, to, to the store and speak to people, I would start remembering what I could remember from the Bible, and I would start talking uh, to them about how hmm. they should come to know, uh -huh. you know, what I had come to understand. Uh -huh. And they didn't like that very much, and it was very short after that, I got fired. <laughs> so everything's acceptable except Jesus, right? Right, right. That's true, because you don't need the crystals, and you don't need the Ouija boards, yeah. and you don't need all of that stuff yeah. when you have the peace of Christ in your heart. Right, okay. So, James, what's your story, okay? Because obviously, uh, are you guys married at this point when yes. she gets saved? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, we were both married as unsaved, met and got married as unsaved people, okay. and uh, got saved in different circumstances. What, what brought you the, together? I mean, what, what, well, I... Uh, <laughs> I owned a bar, which was a music club, but made us money off of the bar. But we had drug, drew people in with concerts and then sold them the beer to make money uh -huh. and the booze. And Rebecca, and when there were no concerts, I would have karaoke. Uh, and so uh, Rebecca came in by herself one day to sing karaoke. Uh, and we were married six months later. Wow, okay. All right. <laughs> unsaved, both and, unsaved, didn't know anything about anything. Okay, all right. And, um, but you, my, so my salvation story is not uh, very complex. I was... Um, aware that the Bible was a great book and wanted to get familiar with it and didn't know anything about it. So I figured, you know, I read a lot, so I'm going to get a Bible. Let me just stop you. This, this is, is Rebecca saved at this moment? No, no, She's no, not we're saved. Both you're, you're both unsaved. Okay. We're, uh, we're both unsaved. So I um, 
I read a lot, and I was unfamiliar with the world's best-selling book, and I figured I ought to get familiar with this book. So I was at uh, a mall, and they had a bin out front, dollar Bibles. And so I said, all right, um, I'll plunk down a dollar and get this Bible. It was like one of those ones with the phone book pages, yeah. super thin mm-hmm. and really cheap. Um, and believe it or not, it was a King James Bible. Mm. Uh, and I was reading that thing for years, literally years, like a history book, just trying to get familiar with what the Bible said because I didn't know anything about it. And I would just pick it up here or there. I mean, literally like maybe once here, two months later there. Mm-hmm. And then it would get a little more frequent. And then years later, and actually even a different Bible later. Um, which was not a King which James was, Bible. Which was, which, which, uh, I was laying in bed, um, before bed, and I had picked the thing up and I was reading it. And it, I mean, it sounds like a cliche. I was reading the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. and I believed it. Mm. I it just I went from reading it as a history book, just trying to get familiar with it, to I actually believe what this saying. Mm. And I started to I mean, it literally sounds like a cliche. I started to cry like a baby. Mm. And I remember even the first words I said as a saved person was I said it's so beautiful. Mm. And I, I, I get I get goosebumps thinking mm. about it even right now. I mean, literally, my whole life changed at that point. Just from reading the Bible, believing what it said, changed everything. Mm-hmm. So from from that point um, to where you are today, how long ago was that? That was 2008. 2008. So I we're talking about... the exact date, but 2008. So we're looking about 12 years ago. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So you both get saved, right. but really no church in your life at that point. Is that no. correct? We um, owned a bar, continued owning a bar. It was a real... Seven days a week Did you run the bar? Or? Oh, we were not open Sunday, but if there were... It was a music club, so whenever there was good music, I would book a show, and that would be... We would open for that, but then we weren't open just for people to sit around okay. and drink. We okay. were just open for concerts. Okay. But, um, yeah, we were open, and we still... Now, it was a, wasn't a conundrum immediately, mm-hmm. uh, but it took a little time, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, 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 it kind of hit me that... This is not what we should be doing. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, so what precipitated that? What brought that to, about? Well, we there was a, a Baptist church almost literally right across the street from the bar. And after we got saved, I would pop. We would both pop in there once in a while. Never members. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a church planted out of the Cleveland Baptist right. Church, as a matter of right. fact. And a real good pastor, brother John Lutz. John Lutz yeah. came out of Cleveland Baptist Church. He was was a wonderful preacher, a great pastor, very knowledgeable in the Bible. And we would go in there every now and again. I had long hair. I mean, real long hair. I remember like those my, days. Down, well, even before, Pastor, even before you knew me, it was longer. It was like down to my elbows. We thought it was down his waist. Yeah, I had really long hair. I would go into church with the long hair and owning a bar, and John Lutz would come up, and Pastor Lutz would come up, and he would give, he, one time I remember, he gave me a page that had all a bunch of Bible verses on it about how you shouldn't serve or be involved in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Two sides, because there's a lot of stuff yeah. in the Bible about that. And I looked through it. I mean, if you believe the Bible, you can't just say, eh, I don't care what this yeah, says. Right. You have to consider it. Right. If you don't consider it, you don't believe the Word of God, you've got problems. Right. You better look in the mirror. But I, he gave me this, and I, I read it, and I, we've, this is, I mean, we've got to do something. Mm-hmm. And the conviction started to come. Uh, and so we eventually... I said to Rebecca, I've asked a lot, I guess. And, you know, I but looked, I was on board. I was on board. Right. When, when he were, you were saying we shouldn't be serving alcohol, I was saying, yes, you're right. Yeah, you but I then, we had all shows. I mean, you have to book these concerts well in advance. And mm-hmm. so we had a whole schedule of stuff booked. And I said, we have to close. Well, first of all, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I said, we um, we should sell this place. And so I hired a real estate guy. And 
He was he horrible. Was not a good <laughs> he was horrible, and he couldn't. And when it went for like a year, we couldn't sell the play. We weren't getting any viewing. We weren't getting anything. Nothing was happening, and we were just going to continue to operate until the play sold and then get out. So I finally said, "Listen, we've got to just shut this down. We can't just keep operating like this. I don't care. We're going to." Cancel all the shows. This is your livelihood. We're yes. talking about your livelihood. This is our livelihood. This is a building. Yeah, it's I own the building. building. We own the business. Our Every, home. Yeah. Everything. This is how we paid our... Yeah. We had yeah. to pay the right. mortgage on the building and our home with yeah. the money that would come in. Yeah. But we said, we've got to close this down. This is not right. We can't keep doing it. We've literally got to just shut it down. And then, you know, if we go bankrupt, we go bankrupt. Because we won't have any income. And we have got two mortgages yeah. to pay. Um, so my wife said, okay, great. <laughs> well, but so, I have to say this because that, that didn't just happen that easily. We, we, when we were making the decision, we were walking around for like an hour. Oh, hour, right. Hour, well, we considered making, it greatly. It yeah. Matter of fact, it's a funny story. Uh, there were a bunch of pastors that would come into the place and I would ask, they would identify themselves as pastors because I had, um, tracks all over the walls and on the tables, and we had a box of Bibles near the door. It said, "Looking, seeking for answers. Take one of these Bibles <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a box and um, in a bar. In a bar, <laughs> right? And people would come in, and and the T-shirts had a guitar with a halo over it. I liked the tracks of women's purses while they were crying. I, the we would be behind the bar, and somebody would order a shot of Jack Daniels. Say, "Here's a shot," and give them a track. And it was, I mean, it was crazy. But we didn't know really right. what we were well, yeah, doing. You, yeah, we were I mean, brand new yeah, Christians. Did, did and we were trying to do our best, and we were in a wrong position doing the wrong things. But there were pastors that would come, because it was a music club, not to yeah, condemn them, yeah. but some would come in to hear music, and it wasn't bad. You know, we would have some like jazz shows and stuff, and so they would come in to hear music, but they would identify themselves. Hey, I'm pastor of whatever. What's going on with this crazy place? <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, well, here, you know, here's the story, and, and I would ask them, what do you think? Uh-huh. I mean, there were some big name pastors, I won't name them, yeah. there were some big name pastors that. All the country would know that came in. Really? Yes. And uh, I would ask them, what do you think? Is this good? Is what we're doing good? And they would say, every one of them, yes, this is great. You've got a wonderful mission field here. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, like dozens. Uh... And John Lutz across the street, North Coast Baptist Church, was the only one that said, no, you're doing wrong. And he gave me the Bible, right. page from the Bible with all these Bible verses on it, and they confirmed that this is wrong. So... After all the seeking and praying and everything, we said, we got to close this place down. We canceled all the shows, um, closed it down, boom. And then if we go broke, we go broke, right. and whatever happens, we happens. We put it in God's hands, and, and that's really what So we, we had no hope of selling the place from this ridiculous real estate agent, and so he was let go, his term expired, and uh, we were on our own to sell it. And the phone rang literally like the next day after closing it, and it was a news reporter from the from the big what used to be a big paper in Cleveland. And um, he said, hey, I heard you closed your place. What's going on? And I told him the whole story. And uh, I thought, man, he's gonna, this is going to be awful. He's going to say Christian loses his mind. Right. You know, uh, bar owner goes insane. And he wrote an honest story that quoted me honestly. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. That's a miracle right yeah, there. Yeah. Quoted me honestly. And that can still be found online. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, still online. Yeah. You can still see it. Chuck Yarborough from the Cleveland Plain Dealer wrote it, and I give him all the credit. He wrote an honest article. Yeah. Fabulous. And so the phone, I mean, it started ringing. When that came out, whatever day, next couple days, the phone started to ring off the hook. People were driving to buy the place. People were driving up on the street and pulling over 
and yelling, hey, good for you. We want to buy the place. <laughs> All the, it was great. We couldn't even get a sniff for a year. But when we stepped out in faith right. and said, well, whatever happens, we're, we want to do right in the eyes of God. We really want to do this according to what God wants us to do and not just you know, what we want to do. And we put it in his hands. And he, it just it sold literally like in a week. Oh, that's amazing. It's amazing. amazing. It is. Well, we're going to wrap up our conversation today, uh, and we're going to pick that up uh, next week in our final and uh, third episode with uh, this conversation with the Milettis. Once again, we want to thank, thank our listeners for joining us. And uh, again, I hope that you're as fascinated with the, uh, what God has done in the, the life of the Milettis as I am. And uh, again, I think we all sometimes we, we look at these type of things and we think, well, I don't have a testimony. But in my case, I got saved young in life. And as a result of that, God kept me from a lot of things. And that's a testimony in, in and of itself. And, uh, but it is wonderful to see the grace of God at work. And so we want to thank you for joining us for this uh, edition of Labors in the Harvest. And again, next week, we'll pick up this conversation where we'll continue on and conclude our, uh, this, uh, this time with uh, James and Rebecca Maletti. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. Thank you.